Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. the first full-length episode of the Decibel Geek Podcast. If you haven't listened to episode zero, go back and check it out and find out who the hell I am and why my useless opinion is worth listening to. Uh, for those of you that have or haven't listened to it, I don't care. Uh, I'm Chris Tenzak. I'm your host. My first guest today, and actually the only guest today, is Mitch LaFon, who's the senior writer at BraveWords.com. Mitch is a fantastic writer and has interviewed tons of rock stars over the years. Uh, beginning at age 11 with some demon guy that sticks his tongue out. Uh, and you'll hear all, the whole story on that in the interview. Mitch was very brave because he agreed to be my guinea pig for the first episode. And he did pretty well, especially for a guy from Canada. Uh, he's going to lay out his opinion on many topics of discussion. We hit a lot of different things today, uh, including his opinion on the Motley Crue Poison New York Dolls Tour, uh, Kiss's never-changing set list, and the chances of a Guns N' Roses reunion, hopefully, with, in my opinion, hopefully with Steven Adler. I really don't care for Matt Sorum. Uh, as I mentioned in episode zero, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. That's where I'm based out of. And the music you hear between breaks is all from local Nashville bands and artists. And don't worry, you're not going to hear any banjo, I promise, unless there's some really, really weird rock and roll out there that I get for this show. This is sort of my chance to give back to them. Uh, for a lot of stuff that, because I, I think these bands are cool. And if you don't agree, quit your bitching because you're only going to hear a few seconds of each one anyway. But if you're digging the tunes that I'm teasing you with on the show, you can go to www.dbgeekshow.com and check out links to all of the bands and artists that appear on the show. Or if you think they audibly raped your ears, you can go to their websites and put them on blast. I really don't care what you do either way, but either way they're going to get attention and that's what counts as far as I'm concerned. You're also going to hear a quick commercial from a friend of mine that books trips for the Disney resorts. Why are you hearing a commercial for Disney resorts on this show? Nope, I'm not getting paid for it. It's not a sponsorship. It's not an advertising deal. I'm simply lending her a bit of space on my show to tell you that how she can book, hook you up with a trip to Disney World. She's a friend of mine. She's already working on one for my family. So those of you with children, cut back on the pipe a little bit, save some money, get with Kristen to book a trip to Disney World. 
All right, enough of that. Time to get this puppy running. I uh, hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Mitch LaFon. And remember, bands, be nice to the critics. They write the reviews. Let's talk about your reviews uh, a little bit regarding Intravenous de Milo. This tasteless cover is a good indication of the lack of musical invention within. The musical growth rate of this band cannot even be charted. They are treading water in a sea of retarded sexuality and bad poetry. Well, that's, that's nitpicking, isn't it? <laughs> I know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Well, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, it's going to be conversational, you know. Okay, good. But, uh, Which is what I do all the time. But yeah, and actually, I thought you were from Montreal. I, I'm just outside of Montreal. Okay, I'm I'm not real familiar with Canadian geography. Um, I, although you know, my biggest thing I know from Canada was the Expos, and they're gone now. So. Yeah. See, the Expos, uh, the uh, Olympic Stadium is about 60 kilometers, so you're talking about 35 miles from here. Okay, okay. So no, yeah. no, I'm just uh, I'm just outside. I mean, if you if you look at uh, Montreal on a map, you'll find the uh, the the major airport and the, and I'm about 10 minutes from the airport. Okay, I see. All right. Cool. Well, and I you know, I have to excuse my voice. I've been I've had on and off a of flu for like a month now. So, I'm actually going to the doctor after I get off the phone with you. But oh my uh God. in the states, yeah. how are you going to pay for that? Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, there's a whole a whole can of worms to open. That's a whole discussion right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Well, um, well, I, there's not a lot out uh, out there on the web um, about your history. I mean, when did you decide you wanted to start doing uh, rock journalism? You know, the uh, the first interview I did, um, I was 11 years old, and it was June of 1980 with Gene Simmons of Kiss. Wow, wow. And the story is, is sort of one of, uh, of deceit, but, but, you know, when I was 11, my voice hadn't broken, and I, I actually sounded like an old woman, like a mature <laughs> woman. So I phoned Old Coin Management. You know, I looked at the back of um, the Dynasty album, and I found Old Coin Management, phoned the uh, operator, got a number, phoned them up and said, I'd like to do an interview with Kiss. And they went, mm. Okay. And I was like, Things were so different back then. I was like, what? <laughs> so they said, uh, when would you like to come down? Uh, you know, come down to Old Coin Management. We do all the stuff uh, out of the office. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's good. I just uh, booked an interview with Gene Simmons of Kiss. <laughs> and you were pretty, how old were you at this 11. time? 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I, so I went to my mom and I said, listen, uh, I booked an interview uh, with Gene Simmons of Kiss uh, in New York. Would you mind taking me? And she said, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh so since they were expecting an older lady I guess my mom actually does uh, radio for Radio Denmark. Okay. So she uh, she t- took all her gear and she did the interview with uh, Jean for 10 minutes or so and then she said, uh my son had a few questions to ask you. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, I got in uh, I got into uh, to ask him about uh, 10 minutes of questions. Oh, and I guess it, for obviously he probably wasn't wearing makeup at the time, right? No makeup. Um, so that must have been a shocker right there, right? It was. A, well, first of all, you walk into the Ocoin management lobby, and they had a you know big stenciled letter that said Ocoin, and just uh-huh. that was very impressive because you know 
for 10 years, Ocoin Management was KISS, right? Right. Yeah. And then uh, you got led into a room that had these gigantic leather chairs. I mean, just the, the back of these chairs went up to the sky, mm-hmm. and there was nothing but gold records and platinum records all over the wall. I mean, there wasn't an inch of wall that didn't have platinum record on it. I mean, it looked like wallpaper. <laughs> and and it was like, you know, here's our Mexican seven-inch single uh, gold record. Here's our, mm-hmm. you know, Switzerland purple whatever album record. <laughs> And you're like, wow. And uh, it was for the Unmasked uh, album. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, he gave us a promo vinyl copy of the Un- Unmasked album, and it had, you know, it, w- it was stamped. It said, promo copy, do not sell. And I had never seen that either. So that was fantastic. And, wow. uh, you know, he um, he uh, he invited us to, to go for lunch after. My mom said no. <laughs> Which I still hold against her to this day. He didn't have uh, he didn't have weird intentions with your mother there, did he? No, not at all, not <laughs> at all. No, in fact, in fact, Gene is is, you know, the uh, listen. I, I I can't say I know him behind the scenes, but the, the couple of glimpses I've had of him behind the scenes has been phenomenal. His his public persona is so completely contrived, but I mean that in a good way. Like he he you know he it's a marketing plan in a sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, he he was just being really really friendly, and really nice. And then after that, for for two years, um, he took my address, and for two years he he sent me official Kiss Christmas cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he enrolled me for free into the uh, Kiss Army and sent me all the bells and whistles that went along with it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, one of the cards he sent me, he wrote on it handwritten. He wrote, uh, "Feel free to come by any." show and say hi wow and anytime i would go up until the reunion tour so for 16 years anytime i'd go to a show i'd give the i'd give the uh the postcard or the you know the christmas card to a a member of the crew and they'd let me into their meet and greet for 16 Hmm. years wow you know yeah and you know in 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 reality and you're not the first person i've heard this from about gene and there is a there's definitely a public persona and then but at the same time i mean i Overall, I'd say he's one person. I'd say that definitely really cares about his fans. I mean, I, he does. He, he really does. That's not just a line where he says we owe everything to the fans. I mean, he, I, I do think he really me- believes that. Well, I think he does. I mean, coming from his background with his mother in the um, you know the concentration camps, I think he really appreciates everything, and I think he, I think he appreciates the fans. I mean, the fans made him what he is. Without us, he knows that he'd be. A school teacher in Spanish Harlem, right. and you know that's not a great position. And I'll, I'll tell you one more story. During the reunion tour, I had a friend out in Sweden, a girl named Elizabeth, and she developed breast cancer. And I sent a note. I faxed over a note to the Kiss office out in New Jersey to a guy named Angus, and I said, uh, you know, this girl's a big fan. She couldn't go to your reunion show because she has breast cancer, and blah blah. blah. And the next day. I mean, literally the next day, 24 hours later, they had FedEx or UPS or whatever, a care package for her with KISS CDs, signed pictures, T-shirts, the whole thing, and a little note that says, you know, take care, take, you know, do, you know stay strong. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you don't see Gene running to uh, the, the New York Post saying, look at me, look at me, I donate to, to people who have breast cancer, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. But, 
but that's what's that's what's remarkable about it is that he keeps that stuff hidden, mm-hmm. and he keeps and and that makes it genuine, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not Bono in the sense that he's not he's not out trying to get headlines for what he's doing. Right, and that that when you when you try to get too many headlines, it becomes disingenuous. Right. I mean, sometimes you need a headline to promo the cause, but also sometimes you're promoing yourself, and that's I, I think that's where Bono, for example, has gotten, and that's just a little too much, right? Well, have you have you heard the the uh, the joke about uh, Bono being on stage somewhere in Europe and they're doing a concert and he starts clapping his hands really slowly and. He talks into the mic and he says, "Every time I clap my hands, a child in Africa dies." And then somebody in the crowd yells, "Well, stop clapping your hands, then." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And that's yeah. About, yeah, I wish he would stop clapping his hands. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you're about as big a kiss geek, if not more, than me, and I didn't think that was possible. Um, yeah, I'm a definite uh, kiss, uh, kiss a groupie in a sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, well, what do you think of this business with the the rodeo show the other day? I mean, in terms of what? In terms of just that they played a rodeo? Well, did you? Well, no. Did you see? Did you see the stage and everything? The clips? Yeah, the stage. I saw. Now, I, that's what I'm not clear on. Was it a new Kiss stage, or did no. the rodeo only have that kind of budget, and that's the that's the kind of hookup they could put up? It's the it's the rodeo stage, and like everyone else that performed did okay, that stage. Okay, because that that actually looked kind of cool. Well, and I think they should take a cue from that and do something along those lines. I mean, it's not, I think they should mix it up a little bit more than they do. Yeah, listen, my my uh, big uh, problem with Kiss has always been the live show in terms of what goes into it uh, with the set list and stuff. I mean, I know that there's production costs, and I know that they have the lights, and the, but, you know, you look at bands like Metallica, like Pearl Jam, like Bon Jovi, who are running... Big giant shows also with you know lighting cues and pyro cues and the whole thing, mm-hmm. and they managed to change the set list considerably <laughs> every night. I mean, Metallica on the last tour changed eight songs a night. They played 183 shows, and not a single show featured the same set list. All right. And then you see Kiss that are going on to two years of playing the same 15 songs in the same order, mm-hmm. and you're thinking... You know, what's that about? And I mean, I know you go, well, I only live in Montreal, so I don't care if they play the same set list in Toronto. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, with the Internet and, and fans, you know, it creates, an, to me, I think it creates an interest. When you look at it and you go, wow, they played, uh, you know, uh, Psycho Circus in Chicago, and you go, oh, man, why didn't they play that for me? Like, you know, that, that gets you going, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we're in a different age now. Right. I mean, it, it's it's it. The word's going to get out about what you're doing, and you know, and it's not just diehards anymore. I mean, I, there's times where I'll I'll go see a band because I, because I know it's going to be an unpredictable set list. Exactly. You know? And that's and, listen. I went. I saw Metallica five times. You know, back in uh, back in the past when it, w- it was a couple of songs and a lot of solos, I would go to the show in Montreal, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But I got to see forty different songs. Over over five nights. I mean, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah, and I'm I, I think it comes down to I hate to say it, but I think it does come down to laziness in a little bit. You know, it does absolutely I mean, does. You know, they're like it's it's working, and we sold out at whatever shows with it, and 
why change it? But I, it, it, all the behind-the-scenes stuff you see with Eric and Tommy, I mean, I have to give them credit because I think if anything gets changed, it's usually because they pushed for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's a feeling I get. And the other thing that's that's problematic with the set list is that they decided to sell CDs and live downloads of all the shows from the last couple of year tours, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah. And I'm one of those loyal fans who bought every show and, you know, maybe, you know, bad on me or whatever you want to say, but they should have made the effort if they were going to sell it to not only give the seller a, a different product to sell, but also give the people who are buying it something different. Right. You know, and otherwise you should have just made a greatest hits and sold just that one thing. Yeah. Well, and what's your opinion on the, you've got, had to have noticed, and I love Kiss as much as anybody, but Paul's voice, there is something going on there. There is, but listen, all of us, uh, as we get older, can't perform the way we did. You know, Nolan Ryan, who used to pitch for the Astros, couldn't mm-hmm. throw it 100 miles an hour when he hit 45. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, you look at a hockey player or at a football. I mean, look at Brett Favre. You know, five years ago he was untouchable. Last year he looked like a goof. Yeah, but I gotta think. I, I mean, it's been such a it's been kind of a a dramatic problem with it. I mean, I I just I've got to wonder if he needs surgery or something. Yeah, I, you got to wonder that too. But I think what Paul needs to do, and, and obviously I'm not one to give him advice, but I think he might need to stop with the. Whoa, 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 whoa! Between, I'm not going to do the high voice because I don't have that. But you know, <laughs> he, he might want to cut down on the in-between song banter and all the high voice stuff that he does, yeah. and bring it down. Like, like Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi can't sing like he did in 1987. But mm-hmm. if you notice, he tailors his show around around his new voice, and I think Kiss and Paul might need to start doing that. And yeah, and he—I he, I think he's a very prideful person and doesn't want to do that. Though. Doesn't want to, yeah. But listen, uh, you look at David Coverdale, you look at uh, Rob Halford, you look at them all—they're—they're they're not singing like they used to be, and you can't expect them to. I mean, you, you take a, any baseball player and you say, okay, uh, let's see how you're playing uh, from 25. Now you're 60. Yeah. Chances are they're not swinging as fast and they're not running as fast, right? So. Rubbing our last two brain cells together. This is a Decibel Geek Podcast. Oh, speaking of Coverdale, you interviewed him recently, didn't you? No, I'm doing that on Tuesday. Well, I've interviewed him once before, but I'm interviewing him on Tuesday. On Tuesday, okay. So I'm looking forward to that. I've, uh, I've, I, did, um, I did an hour recently with Glenn Hughes, who played with Coverdale. Yeah. And uh, that was a great interview. I mean, yeah, he told me a whole bunch of stuff that I, I don't think I've read anywhere else. And that's that's always the magic in an interview is to get is to get that one unique thing that that fans can go oh I didn't know that yeah definitely you don't want to get just uh, the prescripted stuff that they always say and you know big words like gymnasium and you know who I'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh, well that's another thing I never have my questions prepared I yeah. never write down a question yeah I um I go with the the theory of a, of um, you know, there's sort of standard questions that you can fall back on. I mean, they're calling you not because you're, they're your best friends, right? So you can always say, 
tell me about your new album, tell me about the new tour, what comes next? Those are sort of your, your three fallback questions, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't need to have them written down. But then uh, everything else, it just goes where it goes. And yeah. sometimes it's great. You know, I think the uh, interview I did with uh, Alan Niven of Guns N' Roses was, was really great because it, mm-hmm. it, it went in places that he didn't even, you know, know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes, like last night, I interviewed the guitarist for Korn. Uh, Monkey, I think his name is. Yeah, James Schaefer. Yeah. And uh, it really didn't go anywhere. He was giving me one-word answers. And I'd mm-hmm. say, uh, you know, I said to him, so, uh, you know, your album came out last year. Are you going to do a new album soon? He goes, yep. <laughs> like, well, you know, that well, ain't helping me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, uh, yeah. The guys on Corn don't seem to be the biggest talkers. And, yeah, uh, it, it's it's going to be a tough interview to to weave together and make it look presentable. But I'll try, do my yeah. best. Well, um, as far as journal rock journalism goes, and uh, you guys with Brave Words seem like you've embraced the digital social media thing a lot better than other places have. Because you know the the magazines are just they're just dying, and it, I as much as I hate to see it, what you guys are doing, like going through Facebook and Twitter and stuff, right. I think that's the only that, that's the the main way to survive. And uh, well, I'll tell you about Facebook. You know, we started in November 2010 with Facebook. November 2nd, 2010 is when the first Facebook post went up for Brave Words. The website itself, BraveWords.com was at about 68,000 in terms of most popular website in the world, which is, is remarkable when you think about it because that's in the world. That means we're competing with CNN and Ford, not just little dinky sites, right? I mean, we're competing with everybody, and we're still yeah. in the top 100,000 sites in the world. So that's fantastic. Sure, yeah. Now yeah. we're in March, and we are now at 55,000. We have jumped 13,000 spots since Facebook hit. And that's a big reason for it, I believe. And it's the only reason for it. If you look at the inside the numbers, you go to Alexa and you look inside the numbers, 14% of our, um, what do they call them, the turnover posts or whatever they call them, mm-hmm. come directly from our Facebook link. Yeah. 20% come from Google search. So other than Google <laughs> search, which is a gigantic monster, everything else basically comes from um, Facebook. And, you know, the theory being is that when I post something on the Facebook, because I do the Facebook all by myself, nobody's helping me. When I put something on the Facebook and you have a mobile phone, you know, an iPhone, an Android, whatever, and you've got the Facebook app, you get that little beep and it says, oh, news from, from, from Brave Words, you'll click to it. And without a doubt, whenever I put a story up, because I don't know if you know the page well, but there's something called top stories on our, on our page, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are computer-generated top stories. We don't put them there. The computer puts the top three stories based on hits, and it generates that sort of list automatically, right? Okay, I was wondering how that how that got determined. That's how that's how it gets determined. We have nothing to do with it. We don't uh, we don't uh, you know use it as promotion. We don't sell the spot. We don't. Uh, it's not contrived. There's another the word again. It's it's really it's really the fans click on the link. So right now I'm looking at it. It says Glenn Hughes ACDC devastation. Those are the three stories that fans want to read. Yeah. Now when I post something, when I put a link on Facebook, within minutes, I mean literally minutes, it goes into that top three spot. 
Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> boom. You know? Wow. And who uh, who else do you have working over there with Brave Words with you? Uh, well, it's uh, there's a whole team of people. I mean, it's it's about 12, 12 or 13 people. You've got uh, Dom Larson, who writes for us. You've got Aaron Small in Toronto, who writes for us. The site is actually owned by Tim Henderson, Metal Tim, mm-hmm. out in Toronto. Uh, there's a guy named Carl Berge out in Germany. Um, there's uh, Mark Roman, who's out in New York. Uh, Martin Popoff, who's currently working on a um, Rush movie, who who writes for us. There's, yeah, he's a, he's a good writer. I've, I've read a lot of his stuff. Yeah. You know, he, he was one of the originals. I mean, I came on to Brave Work somewhere around 96, 97. But the magazine itself, the site itself, well, the magazine first, is, is celebrating its 20th year. So I came in about nine years after. Yeah. No, wait. Uh, I came in about five years after. And I, But I know your name from other interviews from before that. Right. Yeah. Who else were you writing for before Brave Words? Well, you know, I've been in, in I've had stuff in uh, Classic Rock magazine out of the yeah. UK. Yeah. Um, Metal Hammer for a very brief period, <laughs> for for like four issues, had a Metal <laughs> Hammer US version that yeah, I, wrote I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Um, KNAC has picked up my stuff over the years. The KNAC.com website. I'm I'm thinking that's where I mainly know you from. Possibly. Um, yeah. Boy, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Roadie Crew magazine in in, um, in Brazil uses my stuff a lot, hmm. and uh, you know, a, a lot of the time. See, I do most of the interviews. I do. This is where this is where it gets different between the rest of the writers and Braveworth because they're all great writers. Nobody's yeah. better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I tackle uh, the big bands like White Snake, you know, Glenn Hughes. Um, I'm trying to think of who I've done recently. I've done Vince Neil. I've done you know the guys in Poison, guys in Kiss, and stuff like that. Yeah. And some so those ones sort of get beaten around the internet because people go, oh, Kiss, and then they, you know you know how it spreads, right? Yeah. So the guy who wrote the devastation uh, article today, good article, well written, but the numbers aren't there. The fans, there's not that many devastation fans, so it's not going to you know set, go uh, like wildfire across the internet. Sure. So that's why sort of my name gets out more because, uh-huh. you know, just because of the bands I cover. What was the, a uh, couple of weeks ago, there was something going on between you and Blabbermouth. What was that all about? Uh, was it Blabbermouth? Or yeah. was it Roadrunner Records? Or it was Roadrunner Records you were talking about how, but because, and you had a point because they do pull, It's they're pulling from everywhere else. They're like more like an aggregator than a, an original in my opinion. Well, you see, that's the thing. A lot of times, this is what it's a personal irritation, and it's nothing against the guys who run Blabbermouth personally, but Blabbermouth steals. Well, let me rephrase that. They borrow. <laughs> for free. They, they borrow for free a lot of articles, and there was one particular that irritated me. Was I'm friends with Bumblefoot of, of Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. He sent me a personal note that had some information, so I wrote him and I said, "Listen, can we post it?" And he said, "Sure, go right ahead." And we did. And verbatim, that turned up on Blabbermouth. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's a personal email that we put as a post with permission. You, But they, they took it and ran with it. And it's like, well, you can't do that, you know? So that, that bothers me. 
Yeah. And the se- second thing that bothered me is uh, when anybody says, whether it's a rock star, a fan, a record company guy goes, they go, oh, Blabbermouth is the best metal site. And it's like, well, no, it's not the best metal site. They provide <laughs> no original content. And I, right. said, I said, at the end of the day, isn't that what, what's more important? I mean, when you're, when you're a fan and you go to Blabbermouth, you see, Glenn Hughes said this, uh, David Coverdale said that. But it's never Blabbermouth sat down with David Coverdale and asked him what he thinks. No, they're too busy looking for links to stuff. <laughs> right, it's just links. And I mean, okay, we do that at Brave Words too because, listen, we have to generate uh, content, right? Yeah. But at least we have original content, and I think that's, that's an important element when you're running a website or a podcast or a whatever. You need some original content and so it, it just irritates me when people say oh it's the best site it's like no it's not it's yeah. not the best site because um what would you rather watch would you rather go to you know to cnn or to fox news or one of these news companies that creates content or do you want to just go to some place you know news news inc.com that just mm-hmm. posts links to all these sites yeah and there's lots of those too there's a lot of those too and <laughs> Yeah. My personal preference is you go to a site that creates content, you yeah. know, and a lot of the stuff that you read about, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just, I got Glenn Hughes in my mind because I just interviewed him, but when you go yeah. back, you, like, I just put two parts of Glenn Hughes up, and for the next couple of weeks over the internet on fan sites, Deep Purple sites, all those sites, you're going to see my interview. Mm-hmm. And I love that because we we contributed something to the metal community, to the music community. Blabbermouth doesn't contribute anything to the to the to the community. They really don't. That that's right. my that's my opinion. Yeah. I agree with you there. And um I used to like it a lot more than I do now um because it was for the they used to focus mostly on the mainstream groups that people have heard of, but now it's like if I want to hear about some third-rate Icelandic Nordic death metal band, right. you know, I'm, I, and there's thousands of posts on those bands and I'm thinking, why are you guys covering this? Right. You know, it's, I mean and they they have every right to and I'm sure a lot of people like it, but I don't like having to surf through all of this, this, these groups that I've never heard of to hear something about Kiss or Motley Crue or something. Yeah, and see, we, we, we're aware of that. I mean, Brave Words originally was a very death metal magazine, <clears throat> and now it's more of a all-encompassing classic rock, metal, hard rock, death metal magazine. Like, we, we have everything. Yeah. And a lot of people will write to us and say, oh, Poison sucks. And it's like... I understand Poison sucks. That's fantastic. I mean, I happen to like Poison myself, but sure. there's a lot of fans out there that are girls, or there's a lot of guys who don't want to admit it, but they like Poison just as much as they like Slayer. So sure. we put we put them both up, and we can't we can't be so narrow-minded in scope as to say, oh well, Poison wore makeup. Well, we can't write about them. <laughs> and Blabbermouth does that with Bon Jovi, for example. They never yeah. talk about Bon Jovi. I've never thought about it. I guess they really don't. They don't. They oh, okay. they refuse to talk about Bon Jovi. We do because we have a lot of fans that are female who love Slayer, who love ACDC, but God darn, they think John's cute. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to make it clear. Nashville is not um, responsible for the Lost Highway record. Even though it was recorded here, it's not <laughs> our fault. Yeah, well, listen, John, John is on the Lost Highway. As a fan, I can say that. Oh. His uh, the Circle album is is terrible. Yeah. To, to be nice, 
The Crush album was terrible. The Lost been... Highway album is terrible. Yeah. But he put I, have, a... I haven't been really jazzed about anything, super jazzed about anything they've done since uh, these days, really. I'm I mean, trying to think, what have they done after that? Uh, yeah. Crush, Crush came out after that, I think. Was it? Yeah. Was there? Yeah, there was a five-year period of nothingness, <laughs> wasn't there? Yeah, and then the the uh, what was the acoustic one? The this left feels right. Oh, what a fucking disaster that was! Yeah, you know the worst part about that album is they had played in Yokohama, Japan, and they had recorded um, three shows acoustically in concert that was going to be released as a live album. Mm-hmm. And the story, you know, depending on where you go, the story changes. But apparently the recordings didn't turn out as well as they had expected for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And then they went in and did This Left Feels Right. They said, well, let's just record these songs in the studio. And then somehow it evolved into This Left Feels Right. But what a disaster that was. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, <laughs> I got through it all the way once. And then I was just like, I can't see myself going back for any of these songs, really. I'm trying to think if I even got through it once. I mean, I know I've listened to... The songs each once in terms in terms of like the first minute or so, but <laughs> I don't know if I've actually gone wall to wall with it. it I mean, yeah. it's it's bad. It's really yeah. bad. Hi, I'm Kristen, and you might know me from having booked local rock shows with my husband, Al John. Are you trying to save money on your next vacation? Well, as a Magical Journeys travel agent and authorized Disney vacation planner, you can contact me if you are looking to visit a Disney destination such as Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Disney Vacation Club Resorts, Universal Orlando, or a cruise vacation. I can help. With busy lives, I can not only help you save money, but time as well. I continue to look for better deals until the day you travel. Are you already booked with Disney for your vacation? Well, you can transfer those to me, and I can look for better deals as they become available. Received one of those golden tickets, a Disney pin code? Well, I can book those too. So why do all the hard work yourself when I can do it for you at no cost to you? Email me at Kristen at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. A proud supporter of the Disciple Geek Podcast. No, I don't want to hear that Nickelback song again. My really? This is a Decibel Geek Podcast. Oh, and I've got to ask you, as far as Facebook goes, not long ago, you had like a day where you were devoting to Manowar? Yes. Yeah, all right, you you made me a little uncomfortable with that. Were you serious, or were you kidding about that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Listen, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a Manowar fan at all. I had, <laughs> I had a bad experience working a Manowar show once, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I don't like them. But... <laughs> There's a couple of fans that are absolute diehards, and whenever I say anything that might, you know, come off as negative, they call me on it, and so I figured, you know what, I'm going to have a dedication to Man Award Day. Might as well. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. If you can't beat it, him, join him. But, yeah. uh, you know, listen, I, 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 Brave Words used to set up what we used to call a Brave booth at shows, and we'd sell the magazine at venues and the T-shirts at the venues. 
Uh-huh. And um, it was all part of the spirit of being part of the metal community. And every single band I ever dealt with over those years, and it, you know, it could have been Vince Neil Solo or Helix or Diocide or Marduk or any of these bands, they'd say, just pick a little corner by the merch booth. You can sell your T-shirts for 20 bucks. You can sell your magazines. You know, we don't mind. Thanks for supporting us, and here's our way of supporting you. And yeah. all of them did it. In Flames, Children of Bottom, uh, Nightwish, and all these bands. Yeah. All let us do the Brave Booth. Man of War let us do the Brave Booth with a bunch of caveats. First of all, we couldn't be anywhere near their Brave Booth or anywhere near their merch booth. We had to be basically in a dark corner somewhere. Yeah. Second of all, we couldn't be inside the venue where the show's going on. We had to be at the outside of the doors. <laughs> now, uh, you know, the well, well, let me rephrase. In the lobby, right? Mm-hmm. Every other one, we're in the venue. So the fan goes to, to the front of the stage. They see children at the bottom. They come back for a beer, they, and they go to the merch booth, and they buy something from, right? right. No, not them. They had <laughs> us in the lobby. So during the show, nobody saw us because oh, nobody's in the lobby. Yeah. And then they said that we had to price, price match their merch. <laughs> so it cost a fortune, I'm sure. Right. So yeah. we, had, we had Brave Words T-shirts at the time, which we sold for 20 bucks, which really we're not making any money off of. It was mostly just sort of a let's pass the logo around and have people have an awareness. Yeah. Right, because because we were small, we didn't have the quantity discounts that a kiss can get. Right, I mean, a shirt was like seventeen bucks for us, so we we made like three bucks or something. Yeah, I've been there on that. Right. Yeah. And they told us we had to sell it at the show for forty. <laughs> oh my gosh! So all the, the the entire night, people would just come up to me and go, "Are you fucking crazy? Forty bucks?" And I'm like, mm. "Well, no, I'm not crazy, but the guy man in war might be." And so. <laughs> You know, here we are, we're, we're, we were the sponsor of the show, we were promoting the show, we talk about Man of War on the site, we give them a visibility that, you know, most media doesn't give them, and, yeah. and, and their attitude was, fuck you. So mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with that, you know? We'll, we'll see if you, if you had put out a Brave Words loincloth. Right. Oh, then, well, you, then you would have been family, and they would have they just loved it. Right, of course I would have had to sell it for 68 bucks. Well, yeah, yeah. I think they're worse than Gene Simmons as far as merchandise goes. Yeah. But, I mean, look, it's understandable. They don't have record sales, so yeah. you have to sell merch. But, yeah. anyway, that, that that was disappointing to me. So that's why I, I held a grudge against uh, Man of War. Okay. So when people na- bring up the name Man of War, I go, yeah, well, they weren't very nice to to us, to me. <laughs> All right. In the lobby. <laughs> what do you think about... Uh... <clears throat> a couple things with Motley Crue. One, what do you think of the tour with Poison and New York Dolls? And secondly, what do you think about Nikki going out and blasting Facebook recently? Well, a whole bunch of things. Um, the tour with Poison in terms of musically, I think it's going to be fun. I really yeah. do. I think it's going to be fun. And hopefully the bands will step up and will try to outdo each other. Yeah. Now, having said that, Vince can't sing anymore, and Poison also does the paint-by-numbers set list. Yeah. So, so it might just be an entire evening of paint-by-number and let's get through it. I'm hoping, well, I'm hoping it's not. 
I'm I'm psyched to see New York Dolls, even though it's only a couple of them. But you know, it's still it's great that they're actually out there doing it. Yeah. But the but the yeah, I agree. The events well, Vince can still sing, but he only sings every third word. Right. <laughs> but uh, and With Poison, Poison is terrible about not changing their set list. Yeah, see Poison too, and 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 that that I don't like either. They play it too safe, so it should be. Listen, it should be a great show in terms of uh, you're going to get, you know, like basically 40 singles played back to back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. No, New York Dolls. Me... Like, New York Dolls, I don't care about. Oh but, really? Yeah. I'm not. I wasn't a super huge fan of their music, but I I got a I had a I gained a newfound respect for them with the uh, the movie about Arthur Kane. Did you see that a few years ago? I have not. I think really uh, I think that. David Johansson should just go out as a Buster Poindexter and do Hot Hot Hot. That would be that would fun. be much yeah. better. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a better opening bill. We all really were on drugs in the eighties, weren't we? Yeah, we all were. I think. <laughs> no, I've never. I've actually never taken a, an illegal drug in my life. Oh well, that's, that's a lot of cool. pain medication for backache and stuff, but never, never did any uh, any of that that nasty stuff. That's okay. I did your share. Yeah, but, so, uh... so you you, can, <laughs> you took my portion. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. but the the poison tour will be good, and uh, I just love the fact that cause I know how a tour is planned to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. The tour was announced, you know, in March, but they start working on this usually about eight months before because the logistics are are humongous. You've got to get the buses rented. You've got to get the venues secured. You've got to get the insurance paid. You've got to get the routing. T- I mean, you know, it's not something that you can just wake up and go, we're going on tour next week, right? Yeah. So when Brett Michaels says we're going to tour with Motley Crue and then Nikki gets in the paper and goes, no fucking way, you're like, dude, come on. You yeah. know that your lawyers are talking. You know your management is talking. So, you know, Nikki, Nikki is funny. And as far as the Facebook thing, you sign up, you read the, uh, well, I was going to say rules of engagement. What am I trying to say? The uh, terms of service. Terms of use, yeah. And it says no naked pictures. Yeah. It doesn't say you're allowed naked pictures if it's art. It doesn't say you're allowed naked pictures if it's, and he goes ahead and does that now. Is he really serious? I don't think so. I think it was a publicity stunt because... When you look at MSNBC, when you look at Fox News, they all spoke about Nikki Six and Facebook. It sure. got him a ton of traction, ton yeah. of press, mm-hmm. and that is brilliant. Now, if he's truly serious about fuck Facebook and all this, well, then, then he's an idiot. But yeah. I don't think so. I think he's a very calculating businessman, and I think that's why Motley Crue has succeeded. Oh, totally. He, he's carried that band for at least 20 years, yeah. the last 20 years, yeah. And, no. uh, and he's he's died a couple of times. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, and he keeps coming back. <laughs> no, I, th- I listen. I think I think that was a, a genius uh, marketing stroke. The one guy that I'm um, sort of annoyed with is Brett Michaels and his solo albums. I mean, he really has to stop. Yeah, oh, they're terrible. <laughs> I mean, they are god awful. And I love Brett. Brett has been very nice to me in my life. Yeah. But I would rather have a second or third rate Poison album than a first-rate Brett Michaels solo album. They are Absolutely. terrible. Well, and, and the public agrees with you for the fact that even after all of his health scares, winning the Celebrity Apprentice, having however many reality shows, it didn't, do a, it didn't impact his sales one bit. No, no, because, okay. <laughs> because you can't really impact zero. 
Well, yeah, because <laughs> people people heard the the little clips on the shows and they're like, I'm not buying that. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible <laughs> music. And, and you know, his his medical scares. I'm certainly hoping that um, he's healthy and 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 that the medical scares were taken care of. I have a hard time believing that they were as true as people were led to believe. Oh, I totally agree with. I'm, he has a great publicity team. He does, and <laughs> and and there was one station in New York, Fox New York or something, that started questioning the validity of his uh, medical goings on. Yeah. And about a week later, that whole machine shut down. And the other thing that I found very strange is that. There was only one source reporting on it, and that was People Magazine and People.com, which is you know the same thing. Yeah. And it just seems to me as though they must have struck some kind of business arrangement that they would get fed this exclusive, exclusive stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole thing just didn't smell right. I mean, you got you got a brain aneurysm or whatever you had, and a heart attack and a hole in your heart. And oh yeah, I'll be on American Idol next week, and then <laughs> yeah. I'm going on tour. And it's on just tour. Like, it's like, uh, uh, oh, and 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 People Magazine has the exclusive. I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound right. And and who gets a picture of themselves take taken in a critical condi- condition in a hospital, and you've still got your bandana on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I was first like, of all, there's something going on here. We all know that he's bald. This is not well, obviously. It's not. To be mean, but he is. He so, is. And I've been in ICU in my life a couple of times. I've been in a hospital, and they will not even let my mom in to visit me. So yeah. the fact that they would let in a unknown paparazzi is completely not logical. Yeah. And then the fact that they would let in a known photographer doesn't make sense because they, they'd be worried about infection and about. Uh, and about uh, you know contamination of the room, so they, they, you know. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and and did he have makeup on in that picture too? Because he looked a little too good. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it it looked completely staged and. Uh, it looked like I one think, of the. Sorry. Well, online, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the Metal Sludge website, right? I am. Okay, they. I have to give. Stevie credit where it's due because he definitely was one of the first people to say this is all a bunch of crap. He did, and I have to give credit where it's due because he he definitely called called it out before a lot of people did. Right, but he he had a, a huge team behind him. I mean, uh, there was the tour manager of the band Lit that was writing for him. Oh, uh, Sean, right? Sean. Yeah, I there interview wa- him sometime too. Yeah, there, there was there was a bunch of people uh, that were feeding <laughs> that website. But it's a, listen. It was a good site, and uh, I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see that they're 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 getting it going again. Uh, you know, if you hadn't checked it out in a while, they're actually posting daily again. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always stayed on the message boards, but yeah, the front page did really die horribly for a while there after Sean, you know, split it off with with Stevie. But right. uh, yeah, I do miss Sean. He was a hilarious writer. <laughs> yeah, and they got a bunch of guys now that are that are doing some stuff. So yeah, I, I've always you. suspected DJ Ashbaugh of uh, Guns N' Roses to be to be a guy on there. Well, yeah, I, I have he no gets proof a lot of, of it, but yeah, but he his name comes up like every day on that site. Right. <laughs> and if you notice, his name always comes up in a positive light. Yeah. So is DJ Ashbaugh doing it? And then you look at anybody else in the band, and it's Axel the douche and Bumblefoot the dirt dork and this guy mm-hmm. sucks and Duff McKagan is is a loser and. 
but DJ Asbaz was a winner. And it's like, <laughs> hmm, you know? Yeah. So, so I have my suspicions. Of course, I can't prove it, and I don't want to get sued. But, <laughs> but I, I think he, I think he's a contributor, and I think uh, the lead singer of uh, Pretty Boy Floyd must be contributing also. Yeah, he's he's brought up quite a bit on there too, Steve Summers. Steve Sex Summers, yeah. Yeah, Steve Sex Summers. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Forgot about the sex, right? <laughs> he probably did too. Broadcasting from the rock and metal mecca, Nashville, Tennessee. What in the hell? This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. Speaking of uh, Guns N' Roses, yeah. um, what do you think the chances are of the uh, reunion that the people keep clamoring for? Clamoring for? <laughs> the million-dollar question, right? Right. Um, I think that a reunion was probably brought up recently and that people were positioning themselves to get into a reunion. I think that Irvin Azoff uh, got on board uh with Axel, with the the hope and the plan of making a Guns N' Roses reunion happen. Mm-hmm. I think if you're talking about a Guns N' Roses reunion, it wouldn't include Steven Adler. I highly doubt that it would include Izzy Stradlin. So I think you're really talking about Slash, Duff, and Axel. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think we're closer than we've ever been before. Mm-hmm. Having said that. Probably won't happen just because Axel is is well he's Axel. Yeah, I'd love to interview Axel. By the way, I think I think that would be fantastic. Him yeah. and Vinnie Vincent would be would be two fun interviews. Yeah, definitely the two biggest enigmas in rock and roll. <laughs> hey, wouldn't they be? I think those would be cool. Oh yeah. Sure. You know, when I interviewed Steve Perry of Journey back in God, when was it? Two thousand four, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He hadn't done any interviews in like ten years. Yeah. And I got that interview, and we talked for 75 minutes. And we could have kept going, except I actually ran out of tape. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, oh, does that mean the interview's over? And I go, well, I no, I said, we could keep talking, but I, I can't record it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, just to, when you get somebody who's been off the map for so long, those are great. Yeah, because they're ready to spill some stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, it's also that the fans are, are also willing to eat up anything that they that they talk about, because they haven't heard from them in such a long time. Yeah, wow. another good one would be Vito Brada. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder whatever happened to him. I, I've I've actually asked Mike Tramp, mm-hmm. uh, not a, during an interview. I mean, you know, I sent him a personal email and I said, you know, have you ever talked to him? And it's like, yeah. nope. Don't I know think, where he is. Don't know what he's doing. I think the thing last thing I heard was Eddie Trunk had mentioned something about that he did talk to him and that he's been taking care of his really sick father out out on Long Island. But as far as what he does for money, I don't know. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I, you have to think that the White Lion back catalog is not paying. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, they're probably paying like thirty or 40000 a year or 50000 a year, but I, I can't see it being enough to live on Long Island, comfortably would, at least. No, probably not. But, yeah, I heard his dad was really ill, but I, I don't know, you know, how... Yeah, I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard that his parents were really sick, too. 
and that he's dedicated his life to that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just hope he's okay. He was a great guitar player back in the day. Yeah, I wonder what he'd be like now. And uh, I wonder what uh, I wonder what Jake E. Lee would be like now. I know Jake plays out in Vegas once in a while, but I'd yeah. like to see him on a big stage. I'd, li- I'd actually like to see, and this might sound strange, but I would like to see a Badlands reunion. I know Ray has passed away, but I think if they found uh, a good singer, just mm-hmm. to get Eric Singer and Jake E. Lee and the rest of the guys back on the stage together, yeah. I, think that, I think that could be very well, cool, for the lack of a better word. Well, I really dug that band back then. Yeah, they were they were a great band, and uh, yeah, Gillen died way too young. That's for sure. I know. I mean, he he was going to be the next great voice. I mean, we really lost when you lose. Today, by the way, is the day that Randy Rhodes passed away. Yeah, this is the anniversary. It's of that. The anniversary. So when you talk about guys who could have really changed the face of rock more than they did, Ray mm-hmm. and and Randy could have done it. I think. I yeah. Think, but we'll never know, right? Yeah, it's kind of a weird crossover Ozzy connection there with Jake E. Lee, or uh, with Randy Rhodes playing with Ozzy, and then Ray Gillen wound up singing for Sabbath. Of course, right. it was after Ozzy, but just kind of weird connection there. It is, but, you know, six degrees of separation. There you go. But Kevin Bacon wasn't involved. Oh, I'm, so, sure, uh, I'm sure if you do it, I'm sure you could find him <laughs> you'd somewhere. Find him. You'd find him in there somewhere. Um, well, I think we're about done. Um, what have you got coming up in the future? In terms of interviews and stuff? You know, I've got uh, I've got Coverdale coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I emailed Ricky Rocket the other day of Poison, and he said he would he would chit chat with me. Cool. Uh, I'm going to be doing some uh, live concert photography. I'm going to be uh, covering Rush in uh, April. Uh, mm-hmm. Except uh, I'm going to be covering in April. Ramstein I'll be covering in April. Uh, I think I'm going to be covering Bon Jovi again in May. Mm-hmm. At least I know I'm going to be at the show. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, I'm probably going to wind down a little bit. I, I've done I've done a lot of interviews in the last month. I mean, I really have gone like almost one interview a day. I did one with Slipknot the other day, Corn, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn Hughes, uh, Duff McKagan, which ended up turning into a disaster. <laughs> which is a whole other story. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with. He thought I set him up, but I didn't. Oh, geez. Wow. You know, we posted online, which is public, uh-huh. and Alan Niven, who's the ex-manager, read it. Yeah. And Alan has my contact info, and he said, "Hey, Duff called me unprofessional. I don't like that. Here's my response." <laughs> and you know, listen, we're a news gathering site, so his response to us is rock news. So we posted it, and then Duff phoned me at home and said, "That's unprofessional. You set me up. You knew Alan was going to do this." And it's like, what? Actually, no, I didn't. I mean, I know Alan, and I speak to Alan, but I really didn't know he was going to have this reaction. In fact, right. I didn't know he was going to read it. Oh, but wow. uh, Duff uh, accused us of, of complicity and, and of, of setting him up. And it's like, well, we didn't. But if you're going to say somebody's unprofessional, you might want to, exp- you might want to brace for somebody get coming back at you. Well, yeah, yeah. You know? there, are, there are consequences to that. There are consequences to what you say. I mean, even listen. I'll I'll I'll, I'll readily admit, we edited the Glenn Hughes interview. Mm-hmm. Glenn made some quotes about Gary Moore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to repeat them out of respect for Glenn, and we posted them. And Glenn apparently was deluged with a whole bunch of uh, emails from fans saying, "How dare you say that about Gary?" And he wrote me a note and said, "Would you mind taking it out?" So we did. Yeah. Well, 
but I mean, that's yeah. the way to handle it. Well, sure. Yeah. You don't want to say that. You've already said it. Too late, pal. You know I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, that. but that's, that's, I think that's one of the things that I do that keeps people coming back is that I sort of offer customer service, and it's not to water it down or to, to make it commercial. Or, or, or It's that if somebody says something and they see it in print and they don't realize that they said it, and they say to me, would you mind, because I'll say, okay. And guess what? Next interview that, that I want to do with Glenn Hughes, He's going to say, sure, of course, no problem, because he yeah. knows that he's going to get be, he's going to be treated right. Well, you don't want to burn every bridge before you get there, right? Exactly. And and yeah. Duff could have done the same thing. He said Alan was unprofessional. Um, Alan wrote the the note. Duff could have wrote me back and said, hey, listen, I said it. It, it doesn't read well in print. Could you take it out? And I would have said, sure, and that would have been the end of the story. Instead, he phones up and says, you are unprofessional, and Alan Niven's unprofessional for, for writing that letter, and how dare you, and stuff like that. Listen. Anyway, <laughs> I've got a million um, more stories to tell if you, if you want, but... Uh, oh, well, we'll, de- we'll definitely have you on again if you want. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, anytime. All right, folks, that's it. That was my interview with Mitch LaFon from BraveWords.com. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, you can catch up with Mitch on BraveWords.com and uh, look up Mitch LaFon, L-A-F-O-N, on Facebook if you want to follow him because he's always posting cool stuff on there. That'll do it for this time. Uh, let's see. Go to dbgeekshow.com to check out the website, check out the bands that were featured today. Uh, follow us on Twitter at dbgeekshowpod and Facebook, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of other stuff. I'll get better at it, I promise. We'll see you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.